eighth episode of the Woke-ish podcast. This is Ebony. And this is Alma. Thanks so much for listening. So we're going to start out with our shout-out segment. Yeah, so I wanted to talk about this hashtag that has been going around in the Latino community, or at least Latinos who speak Spanish. And it's in response to, I don't know, I mean, it's gone so viral. I'm sure a lot of people have seen the racist rant by Aaron Schlossberg. (laughs) And he's like this lawyer that apparently was really upset that there was employees speaking Spanish to customers in like a restaurant in New York. And so he went off saying that they, you know, this is America, you should be speaking English. The The people speaking Spanish are probably undocumented, that he's probably paying for their welfare just like all these terrible things and then another video surfaced where he was saying racist things against a guy who he perceived was not white but turned out to be white telling him once again like get out of my country and so as a result of that video going viral lots of people of course were really offended and there was even like a congressman that called for an official complaint against him he was like evicted from the leasing space where he had his law office and he was just been all over different media negatively and so as a result of that people started this hashtag saying still speaking spanish which means and what and so latinos are just kind of giving the narrative or different examples of when people try to tell them that they couldn't speak spanish but how that's still not going to stop them from speaking spanish and so they'll they'll provide a little narrative and then with the hashtag still speaking spanish And so for me, I've had several instances, I mean, even in school where uh, people told me to speak English, not Spanish. And I, I wish that I could have been, I mean, I was a kid, so I didn't have the agency or the ability to be able to tell my teachers like, no, like this is, it's actually like a privilege. And, and I think in most other countries, most people speak more than one language. And so I was just really kind of proud of our community for responding in this way. And then just wanted to shout out the mariachis who were playing music in front of his office because I just love when people are petty and it was just really nice to see people responding uh, really just in a way that shows like yes you can be racist and you can say these things but that doesn't mean that that's going to impact how I live my life and so just wanted to shout out that hashtag and just um, uplift you know the Latino communities particularly those of us speaking Spanish because in this era of Trump sometimes even now like today I went to Chipotle in a predominantly white neighborhood and the employee spoke Spanish to me, like English to everyone else, but Spanish to me. And I saw that as like a like a secret handshake. It was just kind of like in that moment we were both able to connect. And, but a part of me was kind of looking around. Are people upset? Like are people looking at me funny? So it definitely impacts us. It doesn't matter how educated, how young, where you are in this country. There are just people, people are more open to being really just rude and racist. And so the little ways that we can fight back, I'm all for. Okay, um, and the second uh, person that we wanted to shout out is Stacey Abrams. I don't know a whole lot about her, but I do know that she's the first female African-American um, to get the Democratic bid to become governor in Georgia. So we are gonna hope that all of our you know, Georgians come out in full force to elect her. And you know, fingers crossed about that. Shout out to Stacey. Yes. 
Um, so now moving on to our in the know segment. Okay, so now transitioning into our in the know segment. So we'll be discussing the royal wedding. Yes. Woo! Um, yes. That took place this past week, and there was yes. a ton of press and yes. you know media about it. People had a lot of opinions, mm -hmm. uh, both positive and negative. As you can imagine, people have tons of positive and negative feelings about everything. Yes. So, I mean, I guess the kind of, like, big thing is that Meghan Markle, who is a uh, biracial woman from Inglewood, woo -woo, shout out to California, <laughs> became royalty. So, yeah, yeah she, she married a prince, yeah. which is really crazy, and yeah. I think blows a lot of people's minds. You know, like, I've been seeing a lot of stuff going around, like, you know, where are my good friends at? Like, yeah. You know, none of yeah, my good good friends are introducing me to princes. Yeah, because she was set up on a blind date with him. That's yeah, she and it's him. like, I, I mean, I'm really just curious about who this friend is and how they even have friends in common they in the first place. They showed a picture of her because she was invited to the wedding. Oh, really? And they're like, the matchmaker who oh, made it I all happen. Oh, I need to look her up. Yeah, I need to yeah. look her up because that is hilarious. Yeah. yeah. So... If you watched the wedding, and I think it's still on Hulu, so you can go back and check that out. <laughs> so she just went all out. Like yeah. she had, yeah, she had um, a black chaplain, a black bishop, mm -hmm. a black cellist, a black choir. So I thought that all that was dope. And her mom, you know, got a lot of props for like wearing her natural hair and like in dreads yeah. Yeah. and her little uh, nose ring. I thought that that was weird. Like what did they expect for her to do, put on a wig? I don't know. It's the by the reaction, it was like people were like, "Oh, thank God!" Like they didn't make. Maybe they thought they were gonna uh, make her like straighten her hair. You can't. Once you have dreads, you can't do anything. Or like with it. maybe, I know. The what? only thing she could have done is, is put on a wig. wig. Yeah, maybe they that would have been that's... wild. Oh my God, I couldn't imagine the um, like reactions if she would have done that's that. That's true. I'm really, that would have stole the show because she's like a yoga teacher. Yeah, she's that like would have really... that would have stolen the show. Like people would have. Oh my god, oh, there would have been so much negative press about that. Yeah, well, I'm really that. glad that she yeah. just showed up, like, you know. Yeah, yeah, and it was, it was, it was so sad because I, so I don't follow this stuff, mm -hmm. um, but my mom does, and so I was, like, thinking that her dad was just not in the picture, mm. and my mom was like, no, he had a heart attack. Yeah, yeah. Like, all of this just really struck I don't know if the word is stressed, but maybe he was just overwhelmed, like, oh my god, my daughter's becoming royalty. And I also hadn't thought about the impact that this would have on her family. Yeah, yeah. No, um, the dad said that it was negative stress from, like, paparazzi mm. always wanting, like, he said that they were always at his door. Mm. I mean, even with Meghan Markle, the scene, the love scenes from the show that she was on, Suits, mm -hmm. were put on Pornhub. And then they put out articles saying Harry's girl is a porn star. Oh, wow. Yeah. I've and, never even watched that and show. And then she found someone, like a paparazzi was in her garage one day to try to get a picture of her. How scary. Yeah. So it's like, it, and that's, so hearing those stories about how they treated her, I'm not surprised that they would go to those lengths to try to like get any information from her dad and so he was saying that he you know he was living his life in mexico really chill she and him didn't have a terrible relationship and sadly after all this press which is also one of the big issues that princess diana had mm -hmm. her relationship with the media was always like how i mean that's how she died yeah. they were chasing her and so i think that on the plus on the one side i see his point he's not choosing to be in the in the spotlight and the paparazzi can be so aggressive like sometimes how they even treat celebrities yeah. is really terrible and celebrities talk about it all the time and so his heart problem and him not being able to go to the wedding it was just 
I was just really sad and I, I felt and one of the you know moments that was being shared was her mom sitting by herself mm -hmm. and just like how she handled being the only member of her family at the wedding and I was like wait where was her other family I, I mean know. I heard my mom was saying also that her siblings had um kind of expressed some irritation about her like the, yeah her half siblings that like their life was being changed and that they didn't yeah. choose it although and all her that sister stuff. her half sister is writing a book Mm. And then about her, being a sibling of yes. Like, and then her half brother apparently sells marijuana in California and named one of the strains M Megan's Markle Sparkle. <laughs> so he like they're like definitely capitalizing yeah. on her. That is hilarious. I know. So I, I, the other side of me is like, okay, like if you're Fake also outrage. Yeah, yeah, you can't like be mad, but then also use that to kind of gain some yeah. profit for yourself so I was like okay if my brother did that yeah and I would have, or have brother did that then I would be like okay maybe you're not coming to meet the queen yeah no <laughs> it's like you know what I mean yeah I think that it's I mean and then I, I initially I thought that maybe I didn't know that they were her half siblings at first and so I was like okay maybe they are younger than her and they're kind of you know upset that their life has to be put on pause and all this stuff but it's like no apparently her half siblings are like the same age as her mother so it's like uh, you're not like they're they're like that. you know in their late 40s or maybe early 50s so it's not like you're re i mean what are you really sacrificing no yeah <laughs> like this is this is probably a good change of pace i mean you could have been at the wedding but you acted a fool and yeah. didn't get invited yeah so I mean, you act like trash you get treated like trash yeah and so there was initially i was reading criticism against uh, megan markle because they were saying that um, even though she was like a huge proponent about gender inequality and she calls herself a feminist, that she didn't really say anything about Black Lives Matter or expressed any remarks about racial justice. And so they were saying that her inclusion of so many black people in her wedding and embracing that side was quote unquote refreshing. And they were really glad that she was kind of, and so it makes me think like maybe she just didn't find it important mm -hmm. to really highlight and as a biracial person she she claims you know that she's always had difficult experiences and so I know sometimes people who are mixed or biracial choose to identify in various different ways either by identifying as biracial mm -hmm. or being really inclusive of both or saying like no I'm just a mixture mm -hmm. and so I thought like maybe that what was going on with her she was choosing to distance herself from either identifying as white or identifying as black mm -hmm. but I thought with with the wedding she did a really good job of being like inclusive yeah. and like in your face about like even the song choice stand by me mm -hmm. the fact that um you know the black sermon like i mean the sermon i don't know if you heard it but like he hit at like slavery like mm -hmm. talked about you know and so it's, i just and they harry and megan like chose everything like yeah. the, the passages where what he was drawing from because i i saw an interview from the bishop when he was on the view and he was talking about like how they gave him all this stuff already and he just went with it and so i thought that that was really nice that she you know and they said that she really played a part in having 
all these details in her wedding. So I thought that that was really cool of her to really embrace that and to show the world that, like, because she could have just minimized it and just been like, you know, I mean, race doesn't matter. Love is love. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But I I think that that was a thing, like, love is love. But, like, I'm going to remind you that I am not, uh, And it's something, and I think also it's like, you know, obviously y'all see it from the outside looking in, but I want to make, I want you to know that I'm aware of it as well. Like, yeah. this is not something that I'm just kind of brushing over. Like, I know we are an interracial marriage, and yeah. I know this is a big deal, given the context. Um, and because it's, you know, the royal family, and she's like, I'm gonna, even though this is a royal family, I'm gonna make sure that I insert myself in my interests and my identity into this wedding. Like, it's not, I'm not just being you know shepherded along and just kind of going on with everything you know yeah um so yeah i definitely appreciated that too yeah and although there is like so many good and so many people being happy and you know there's so there's black inclusion there were people who were saying we're reading way too much into what this relationship means Mm -hmm. because a lot of times symbolic things are taken to mean like this is a mark of progress Mm -hmm. so like look how much look how far we've gotten when we can have a black princess and so a lot of people were saying well i don't know if this is really progress and so i was reading this article and it talks about how we're, we can't bypass the fact that the monarchy is such a symbol of whiteness. Like, it has been a symbol of whiteness in the, in the United Kingdom for such a long time. And so there's this quote that says, It is abs- absurd to think that one black woman could transform an institution so rooted in colonialism and whiteness. We have seen this approach to combating racism on an institutional level many times before. Mm-hmm. So even thinking that... Even, you know, and I think of the case of Loving versus oh, I forgot Virginia. Virginia thinking like you know I saw the movie and the movie was very much oh like look at this love story that they overcame all odds. But if you really read about it, like they couldn't live near their family. Yeah, they couldn't. She it was really they sacrificed a lot. Like yeah. it wasn't just really. I mean, they were constantly being attacked. They were constantly being called the cops on. Like it wasn't really the same love story that people like to portray. And so when they were talking, you know, when people were saying this criticism, I thought that it was a fair point. And although some people responded with, why can't we just have an event where we can just be happy? Why can't we just enjoy it? I think it's important for us to not really forget that it's, it's this is a wedding and yes, it, it is a big, it's a historical thing to have this happen because one she's divorced two she's biracial three she's american Mm -hmm. but also there's so much inequality in the united kingdom in terms of black white disparities and so a lot of black people in the uk were saying yes it's nice to have this happening but what is that going to change for me yeah yeah I mean, I think that a lot of times we kind of, I mean, I, I don't know who I'm, who this we is, but I think that people generally kind of impose their own perspectives and their own narratives on something that it ha- has nothing to do with that, you know? So these people could just be two people in love yeah. that want to get married and don't, and don't necessarily intend for it to be this super monumental thing. But because we see it externally as like this big deal, we're kind of imposing on them all of our critiques of what the... Um, racial meanings of this are and if it's going to change anything and how political it is and how like socio-political it is and it's like no these might just be two people in love and they want to get married and maybe 
wouldn't choose this way to do it if they didn't have to. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah. So it's yeah. kind of like they're constrained by, you know, the context. But who's to say that that's even something that they really care that much about? Yeah, yeah. Like, I don't think Megan was like, this is a, my wedding. Yeah. It's a chance for me to highlight that <laughs> black people, we can do anything we yeah. want. and so We then, can become royalty. <laughs> yeah, and then speaking of that, a lot of, you know, people here in the States, stateside, were like, why are we obsessing so much about this first black princess when there's been so much black royalty already yeah. and then like you know uh, some of the jokes were like coming to america royalty but for the other part people were highlighting like no there's like actual black royalty like there yeah. are black people who are actual princes and princesses and i and, I, and then i saw a thread and it was like of course charlemagne yeah and he was saying that you know f that uh we're all kings and queens and yeah. then in, within those comments this i saw this comment by this guy and he was like yeah, but then there's, like, actual royalty. Yeah. We can't always be calling ourselves, and he was talking about, like, black people because he was black. He's like, we can't always be talk calling ourselves kings and queens because would you really equate yourself with actual royalty from whatever country? Yeah. And so I was surprised. There was, like, over 300 replies, like, in that, for that thread, like, so many people had so Responding many... to that guy. Yeah, about whether it was, like, this discussion between calling our themselves queens and kings. And yeah. I was just, I was just really surprised that that was something that got so much, like, tension. Like, yeah. the fact that Charlemagne was, we are already kings and queens, and people were like, nah, yeah. why do we have to do that? Why do we always have to make ourselves like that? Yeah, I think it's like the whole, I think it comes from the whole, like, oh, we descend from royalty kind of thing. An ancestrally, you know, like, there are people, we don't know necessarily, you know, like, whose lineage that is. So I think that there, I think that there's that. I do, I mean, I didn't see this thread myself. But I know that there's also people who, like, say, like, black Israelites, and that's a whole other conversation. Oh, yeah. But, you know, those people also buy into that. And so I, I cannot, I mean, I can kind of see both sides. It's like, you know, there's, I don't know, I think that what we, even, like, say, for instance, like, the queen, right? The queen doesn't actually have any power. Yeah, so yeah. if we're talking about what royalty means or what it actually stands for, there's a com there's a conversation and an argument to be made against that too. Yeah. So I, I mean, I don't know. I don't know I don't know if I necessarily have a stance either way. I just know I can see why people would have an argument on both sides. Yeah, I was just surprised at how much much back and forth there was on yeah. just that one thing and I was yeah. like oh we're we're moving away from like the actual what, point yeah, yeah whether this means progress or not yeah. and sticking to like why are we referring to ourselves to royalty well it definitely does I don't think it means anything for people in the United States if, yeah, it, if there yeah. is anything that this wedding can do I don't think that it would touch us here you know if anything we might be able to talk about you know maybe British folks and like if it matters for people in the UK but yeah yeah outside of that like no I mean I still think it's really really awesome that someone from LA yeah who was just like and the joke is you know she was on deal or no deal and oh she really? was a briefcase girl <laughs> and so it's just like you know someone who is just like a model yeah and then you know became an actress now is royalty and is a duchess and yeah so, there's hope I for mean, all of us I, yeah I think that in itself is aside from like the race politics and whether this is symbolic it's so crazy to have someone American who's not part of the royal family family marry someone who's six 
in line to the throne. Yeah. And I think that that's just really crazy. And I mean, I watched the what? Not all of it because it was like four hours. That's but so I crazy. did watch like you know some of it. I'm a, a wedding person. I like watching yeah. weddings and. I am one of those people that they're definitely in love. You can see it. And I just, you know, I've, I've heard, I watched her on Suits. I liked her character on Suits. So I always am that type of person that's the character is how she must really be. Yeah. And so to me, I was just, oh, look, she's from a paralegal to a lawyer and now she's a princess. <laughs> and so I'm all for it. I hope that they last. I hope yeah, that exactly. she doesn't. Because just from the little way hints at how they treated her I hope that she d isn't scrutinized she's constantly being compared to Kate Middleton I, there's like this really famous racist person she's a, <laughs> she's a woman in the UK and she she already like the day of her wedding put a picture of Megan and a picture of Kate and said you can't buy class and it's just like um she's a hater yeah so just kind of hoping that she just doesn't get i mean she is can't like, wait can they not last is that even an option what for them to not you like, can get divorced like prince like i mean Diana like you can but like would they i mean well there's a whole lot of conspiracy about that though but they didn't get divorced no that they did but uh -huh. that like she didn't necessarily die accidentally Oh, so it's like I mean, could remarry. So it's I mean it, it's conspiracy theory, and I'm not saying that I buy into it, but it's like would that even be allowed? It you know culturally, um, um, and I don't know how much his grandmother, how much hold his grandmother has on him. Probably not a whole bunch since he's marrying this black girl. But <laughs> <laughs> that's true, that's true. <laughs> but yeah, I mean I don't know. It seems like yeah. So we'll see. We'll keep. You know, I'm sure there'll be more conversations, especially if they have kids and like what that will be and the back and backlash because there's always backlash. I mean, there was backlash to this wedding, but just keeping an eye on it. But just wanted to kind of hit on something positive yeah. but also have a more kind of serious discussion yeah. so that we're not always just talking about like the easy to grab political yeah. stories like sometimes there's politics in like everyday life and mm -hmm. sometimes it can be fun to talk about them it doesn't always have to be really dreary and sad and so we wanted to kind of mix it up for this week's in the know and talk about something that was kind of nice and if you if you watched it and if you didn't i don't think that it speaks i know like finally one of the final points I wanted to bring up is some people were saying that it was wrong for people to focus so much on the wedding when there's so many other more important things to focus on and i saw this but one can we really like are we surprised by that that we're focusing on some yeah i mean the media like every day like yes. you know it has short memory and i'm the type of person that's like i can't listen to i'm a minority yeah i'm an immigrant i i am already every day facing like yeah. terrible news terrible things if for like two hours i just want to watch this yeah. really pretty dress walk down the aisle <laughs> and listen to this choir sing stand by me and not think about trump or think about all these other things yeah. that i because 
there's plenty of people who live their everyday lives without having a thought about that. Yeah, so I'm one of those people that was like, if you watched it, I do not think that that takes away from you being woke. I do not think that takes away from you being part of, for the community, from you being a worker. Like, there's self-care. You can't always just be on. You can't always. There's always going to be time to do that. And so I wanted to make sure to bring that up because I did see that back and forth in social media with some people being really critical about people who took you know time to watch it or who were saying things about it how it was kind of a waste of time and I mean I do think like you shouldn't be talking about it for like a whole week Mm -hmm. but I think that every once in a while a nice you know thinking and talking about something kind of a little lighter is much needed agreed agreed okay so now we're going to transition into what's being slept on Okay, so now shifting gears into our What's Being Slept On segment. So this week we're talking about interracial partnering, kind of just, you know, continuing on the same kind of line of, I guess, topics or whatever from the In the Know segment. So to get kind of started out, I guess we're going to start off by talking about whether or not we're beyond kind of social animosity toward interracial partnering. So, I mean, what do you think, Z? Like, do you think we're at a point where people aren't really where it's not really that big a deal. And I mean, I guess this probably varies depending mm-hmm. on, you know, what the race is of the people in the relationship. Yeah, yeah. But do you think that there's still kind of... I think that it's probably... It's, well, it's definitely more common now, just based on, like, statistics and rates of people that are in interracial relationships. And also, I think, like, even doing... Where they do surveys about... Well, it's different because I think there's different, it's really complicated because they ask people if they're more comfortable, if they're okay with interracial partnering and generally people say okay, but then when they ask, would you be okay with your daughter or son being in an interracial relationship, people have different answers to Mm -hmm. that. So it's one of those things where I think that people would generally say that there's less animosity towards interracial partnering. But just like what we see with the whole, like, Trump backlash, I think that there's, like, a lot of coded, microaggressive thoughts about what that really means when it it happens in your family. And I also think it depends on who the two types of racial-ethnic pairings are. So I think that maybe for... Some groups, it might be more acceptable and more welcoming and less, less, I guess, maybe draw less criticism to pair with certain racial ethnic mm-hmm. groups, whereas for others, it may still be really taboo or really negative. And I also think people lie. I think people... Lie about how they feel about it? Yeah, yeah. I think generally people... I don't know. And I, I draw this from my experience because I've only dated people all the time. Mm-hmm. And that's all due to the fact that I was in mostly white spaces. Mm-hmm. And so, like, people, and it's different reactions from my family, who's Latino, to the families of the people that I dated. And it's always on superficially, like, accepting, but then there are comments and, like, well, have you thought about questions that I'm kind of like whoa that's kind of like something and so like like for the relationship I'm in now like he told me that his like his family had a talk 
about like really? mm-hmm, about like so if this is someone that you want to be serious with and how many like who was a part of this talk it was the dad okay it, the mom was totally like she's all in she's yeah. like love is love whatever but yeah. his dad was like okay so there are things that there are different things that happen that you're gonna have to encounter when you and it's really funny because then like to me and in front of me there would be lots of talk about like oh I don't care Mm -hmm. lots of inclusion and I I don't think I was even supposed to know about that talk Mm -hmm. it was just something that my partner told me Mm -hmm. and uh, and it's just kind of like and you know also I mean his dad is from a really different generation Mm -hmm. like his dad's a lot older. He's even older than my mom mm. by, like, 15 years. Mm. And so I think that – and he grew up in a really small town. Mm-hmm. And so I think that his context was – well, at least what I tell myself is, like, just that's not something that's very common in his family. That's not something that he's ever probably in his life thought that would happen because none of his other kids are in interracial relationships. And so that's why I say, like, and I don't think that he's racist. I, I, I honestly don't think that he thinks, like, Mexicans are bad people. Mm-hmm. But I do think that he thinks that it would be easier mm-hmm. if people married, if white people married white people and Mexican people married Mexican people. Mm-hmm. So that's why I think that, like, I, people might say that there's less animosity, but there's just so much coded, like, challenges and criticism that kind of hint at like maybe you're not really as okay with it if you really had to think about how you would feel if it happened in your family so you're okay with the idea but not with it actually playing out yeah 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 so do you think that okay so you were saying that you think that it might be easier for certain groups but what what groups do you think that it might be easier for now because I mean I'm thinking like there are certain groups that there are certain types of interracial partnerships that I've never even seen, you know, or that like when I do see, like, I don't think it's a problem, but when I do see it, I'm like, Oh, you yeah. know, I wonder how they met, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think like maybe for, if it's two minority groups, it might be a little easier to, there's, there's more shared experience. And so like, um, when I, I have friends who are Latina who date people who are like black guys or black women, I feel like they don't have the same types of obstacles or the same type. Like, we don't, just because they're interracial isn't the same way as for me, who I usually, I've dated only white people. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes I have to to talk about, like, there are times where I am literally the only non-white person in a room. Mm -hmm. And it's not intentional where they, like, are choosing to, they're like, I'm, I, you know, only white people is, is, that's the only type of people I want to surround myself but because of segregation and because of segregated networks and because of issues of class, like the people that I happened to date were only around other white people. Yeah. And so they weren't even, and I don't even think they were as aware at how white their networks were until I was there. And so I just remember lots of instances where I'd be at a party and the only other people who were not white were the waiters or the mm-hmm. servers. And so I think, and talking to my, like, Latina friends who date black guys, like, they don't ever talk about how I'm the only, like, non-white person. It's like, no, because their networks, you know, the black guys usually have other people of color. And so I think that, for me, 
it's a little, and I don't know if it's easier because sometimes it's hard to, because I don't know, you know, what it, dating a, a black guy, maybe there are things that they have to like, you know, in terms of like police and like being stopped and mm-hmm. like risking and stuff like that, that I don't have to deal with some, my partner being white. Like my partner's never like stopped by the police because they think that he's being a criminal, but we have them pulled over and people are like, so who is she? Mm-hmm. Like, kind of like, I'm the person that they're kind of like, well, what is she doing here? Mm-hmm. And thinking like, is that racial? Do they think that I'm like a prostitute? Do they mm-hmm. think that I don't belong here? Do they think that I'm like a drug dealer and I'm selling them drugs? And so, and when I said that reference, I was, I was talking more to like, maybe, maybe it might be easier for two minority groups to be able to date and have more shared experiences about discrimination and being a minority in this country, as opposed to my experience where I've dated someone from like the dominant racial group where they just, you just see how many, how much easier like it is in their day to day experience and how much less, like how much more trust there is for them and how much more resources they have and how much more like of a good old boys club there Mm -hmm. is where they just get things that I have never seen like my friends or my networks get and so I think that in that way maybe it is a little easier for some pairings but I I think that you make a good point too in saying that I also don't see some racial ethnic couples either like and it'd be interesting to see like what's the most common and what's the least common. And and we are going to talk about in this part of the episode, some statistics that we've gotten. And and I also wanted to to talk about, like, before we go any further, that we're going to discuss both different sex couples and same sex couples. Because I know that sometimes in discussions, people who are in same sex couples are excluded from the conversation because when we talk about couples, it's already assumed that it is, heterosexual and yeah. so in this specific segment and because of the type of work that I do where I focus on the experiences of sexual minorities we're definitely going to talk about uh, how this would look like and some of the issues that same-sex couples have in terms of interracial couples and um, I think one of the interesting things to start with is that you know interracial dating is slightly more common in same-sex couples than in heterosexual couples um, more than 20% of same-sex couples are interracial compared to about 17 or 18% of straight couples. So I think that in itself is a little, it's interesting to see that among same-sex couples, there's there's a higher probability of you being in an interracial relationship, but definitely don't want anyone who's listening to feel that their relationship is being excluded because we are in our conversation, although I've only dated, I've only been in heterosexual relationships, we're definitely not forgetting that there are people who are in same-sex couples. And so I I know you kind of posed this earlier, Ebony, but do you think that there, do you think that there are certain relationships or partnerships that are more acceptable? I know I talked about based on my experience, but from your, I know you do a lot of family and dating work. Like, what do you, what have you come across? Yeah. I mean, so I guess, For myself, I guess to give a little bit of, like, context for where my perspective comes from, just, like, in a, like, a, um, 
from a personal sense. So I, like my family is very racially mixed. So growing up, I did see a lot of different um, partnerships and, you know, my family is very open. Like I've, I've dated interracially myself and, you know, have brought people that are not black home to meet family. And that has never really been an issue. But I do think that it has been my experience that when we are out um, or when we were out, it was, you know, you see, it's, I think that with, I think that when it comes to black women, black women dating men that are not black is still a little bit weird. Mm. And I think, I think that if they're white, maybe it's a little less weird. But I think that black women dating Asian men, dating even, even some Latinos is weird. Yeah. And I, I mean, I, yeah. So that's just like my personal kind of, you know, view in terms of how, like my experience. But in terms of the, in terms of like research, I think that the least, that black and, black and Asian partnerings are like kind of really, um, uncommon. Um, I think that Latino and Asian partnerings are really uncommon. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Um, and, and that's also, I mean, just in terms of like what I've seen, like, I don't think I've, I think maybe one time I've seen like Latino and Asian partnering, partnering. And I think also it depends on, you know, where, like what the Asian subgroup is. Mm -hmm. So I can personally think of like people that I've gone to school with who are, I want to say someone from Chile and someone from Pakistan partnering together. Yeah. And I thought, and so that was like super, and they have kids too. But I think that we have a hard time, people have a hard time doing that research just because the numbers are so small. Yeah. You know, so those people are hard to find. Um, I think that as far as those people are concerned, though, they probably still do have a really hard time. Um, and I think, like, something that we were talking about before we started recording is um, how raising kids can make, you know, race conversations more important and, like, mm-hmm. more critical to have because, you depending on who the kid looks like, yeah, you know, yeah. one parent may not look like the child. And so it's, like, you know, having to constantly explain that this is my kid. And I've seen that in, like, movies and stuff where it'll be – actually, there was one There was one movie where I guess the, the little girl, she was black and white, and she was beefing with her dad for some reason. Her dad uh, was a white guy, and she, like, ran away from him, and he went to try to go get her, and then she started screaming, like, I don't know this guy, I don't know this guy. And then the dad – like, a police officer walked up and is like, um, who are you? And him trying to explain, like, this is my daughter, and him being like, mm, I don't know about that. Like, this is a little black girl. It's like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, I know. Um, I know. But yeah, I mean, just thinking about like, even though this is a movie, like what the real life implications of that are, like how it might be to raise a child that, you know, looks like another race, you know, yeah. and you, I mean, having to kind of like explain or defend yourself or yeah. even, even like on the, you know, on a, in a different, on a different note, like having to reconcile, you know, having a child, raising a child and how you talk to your child about their identity or, you know, that day that your kid comes home from school and is like, oh, people are saying that, you know, I'm not this or I am this. Like, how do you, yeah, how do you have that conversation? You know, and I've seen a lot of, you know, celebrities are like backlash to celebrities that are like, for instance, Kim Kardashian, right? So mm-hmm. 
people have talked about how Kim Kardashian is kind of like she tries to be like race neutral and like she doesn't see race and all this stuff. And it's like, well, how do you not see race when you're raising black children? Yeah. You know, you're raising a black son. Like, how, yeah. You know, you have to have, you. I mean, especially in this political climate, like you have to have those conversations. And I mean, which kind of leads into like, there was something that you brought up that I wanted to ask about where you kind of brought up the segregation and kind of how these like, I guess racial segregation of networks kind of brings up how a lot of the things that we think about are kind of as kind of being individual, individualized and choice based and a very personal kind of decision. Like, you know, we think about partnering and dating as being, you know, lo- love is love, right? Yeah. But love is also not blind. And love also is a consequence of, you know, structures yeah. and you know, like you said, segregation and all of that stuff. So there was a book uh, published recently called Marriage, Vows, and Racial Choices. And the book is, I guess, to kind of, it's by Jessica Vasquez, um, Jessica Vasquez Tokos. So to kind of summarize, like she talks about how uh, choosing who you marry involves more than just emotion, emotion and love, you know? It's also about racial politics, cultural mores, local demographics, and how those things shape who is even available to you to choose from, right? So if you're in uh, predominantly same race spaces, then you may never encounter, maybe it's a little bit different now with like internet dating and stuff like that, Mm -hmm. but you may never encounter people that are a different race to even choose from those people. Um, Or like you said, like you were in predominantly white spaces. And so maybe you didn't have anybody who was like Mexican or Latino in general to choose from. Yeah, no, I didn't. Yeah. And... Also, in terms of, you know, who, I mean, maybe this wasn't the case for you or, I mean, it seemed like you were saying that your mom was kind of open or your family in general was kind of open. But for some people, you know, like I have friends, guy friends whose moms are like, no, you better bring home a black woman, period. Mm. There's no conversation about that. And so how, who your family is open to or the kind of things that are passed on to you by your family influence who you partner with or who you see as an ideal partner. Yeah. So one, one of the stories that she opens with is how um, someone that she interviewed was saying how um, this was this woman was um, Latina and uh, within her family, there were people that were off limits. There were people that were like, okay, this is good like for you to partner with this person. And there were people that were preferred. So for this, for this Latina, um, her family preferred that she married with someone white or someone who was Latino, but do, like well off. If she partnered with someone who was Latino, but not from the same background, not from the same ethnic background, then that was okay. And then black men were just completely off limits, mm-hmm. you know? And so that then, you know, obviously you're not gonna, like if you fall in love with somebody, you're probably not gonna be like, no, I cannot do this because my family won't like it. But that probably influences who you even entertain. Yeah. Because yeah. there's a lot that comes, like, we act like there aren't steps that come before, you know, falling in love. Like, yeah. you first, you see somebody, y'all have to have a conversation before you get to, oh, I like you. Yeah. Oh, I think you're handsome or I think you're attractive. You know, let's date and blah, blah, blah. There are a lot of steps. So I'm wondering if, I mean, if you thought that, if you thought about that at all, if your family had any influence um, on who you date or eat, if you even know if that's something that's, you know, uh, dominant in the Latino community or. Yeah. No, I mean, I know a lot of, and I think being immigrants, the narrative that my mom and her friends say is kind of like, 
we brought our children to this country, so we one of the sacrifices, quote unquote, or things is that they're not going, probably not always going to date people who are Mexican. Mm-hmm. Um, so my sister is engaged to someone who is from India, and and I think that's a rare partnership. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah, and so you know, as we're you know, because I'm helping her in terms of like what she wants to do for her wedding and stuff. And trying to like join the two different cultures is so, I thought it would be a lot easier because both non-white, I was just kind of like, I mean, I mean, both brown, like in general, I mean, one of the jokes is that they're they say that I, everyone thought I was Indian. Mm-hmm. They were like, you're on the Mexican side. I thought you were on our side. And so, but like, you know, talking to my mom and I think one of the key things is in terms of like raising kids. And so his mom and a lot of his family, like they're actually from India. And so they speak and there's so many different languages in India. I don't know which one in particular they speak, but in just ta- having this conversation, we realized that my sister's kids would have to speak English. Spanish, and then whatever language that his family speaks, just to communicate with everyone in the family. So the kid would have to be trilingual, like just to be able to speak with family members and just thinking like in terms of, you know, if me having kids with someone who's not uh, Mexican and then them having to learn English and Spanish just to be able to communicate with family members is like a whole like issue. And then the family's being able to communicate. And so when I'm in the engagement party, I had to, like, say things in Spanish, and then I had to say things in English, and then, like, you know, some jokes don't translate, and um, everyone was wearing saris, and so, you know, my sister's side of the family, we had to wear saris, and so it was, like, Mexican people wearing saris, and us having to learn, like, you know, and then my mom never had Indian food, and so, you know, having her introduced to Indian food, and just, like, the different customs, and so my sister has to have a Mendy night, and just, like, learning about all these different things, and this is just the wedding, like, this isn't even, like, how they're gonna raise kids, real differences in religion, like, it's just, like, so many differences, and thankfully, my sister is vegetarian, so she fits in really well, (laughs) but, like, there's lots, a lot of Indians are vegetarian, and so, like, just imagining, you know, you know, sometimes my mom's the type of person that's like, if there's no meat, like, is this food? And so it's just like, there's just so many. And so I think that because my sister is dating someone who's not white and I had dated someone who's white, but, um, my mom was a little more, I guess, okay with it, but my brothers only date Mexican or Latinas. Mm. And I think that were they to date white girls, my mom would not be okay because one time my brother, one of my brothers had like a a, a friendship with this white girl and my mom, yeah, and my (laughs) mom was like not okay with it. Wow. She was like really upset and like even thinking about it now, I'm like, whoa, is that like a gendered thing where Mm -hmm. for her it was like, it's okay for my daughters to be with non-white men, like that might be okay, but for my son. like to be with non Mexican. I'm sorry, yeah, to be with non-Mexican men, like, that might be okay, but for my sons, like, they have to have, and yeah, and so I... Mm, Do you think that it has something to do with child-rearing? I don't don't know. Because, I I mean, I know that, you know, I mean, just because the way that gender works, like, women tend to be the ones that do most of the raising, you know, or they have the have the um play the biggest role in raising the yeah, children. So no, maybe if so, yeah. it were if the woman were white then like the kids would 
have maybe I don't know, maybe that would be the dominant culture that the kids yeah, have. Yeah, I think so with. because there's definitely like a difference in the way yeah. where less rigidity and it's it's and it's just different the way you know things that my sister and her fiance can share a lot about being non-white and make you know jokes about not being white and I in ways that I can't always make jokes about white people in the same way because <laughs> my partner's white and so and then you know my sister some of the Indian people when there's an Indian people Indian people and Mexican people can blend in really well mm-hmm. it's just like different nice nice hues of brown mm-hmm. but like so when we go to bars and stuff like for an engagement party we looked like yeah. But when it's, like, my partner and I, like, we look like, okay, that's, you know, people look at us and they're like, oh, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. And at parties, it's like, that's Zama's family, that's his family, yeah. and just kind of, like, a really stark difference. And mm-hmm. so even comparing my experience with my sisters and then my brother's experience with mine, it's just kind of, like, not only is it uh, about who you know, the, or what the other racial ethnic identity is, but is it the daughter who's dating outside or the son who's dating outside? And in the case of my family and from what I've seen with my friends, it really, really, it's like kind of more okay for the girl. I mean, there are some people who are very much like, well, if you're going to date, like I would prefer Mexican, but this is fine. Mm -hmm. And, you know, side remarks about like, well, you know, it's it's okay. Like, this is why, you know, we came to this country, so I guess this was going to happen. But just, like, this really rig- more rigidity with, like, the guys and my male friends, like, see- seeking out Latinas specifically. And if they were to date outside their race, having a more difficult time. And I think, like, maybe it is what you're talking about, where it's, like, if it has to do with the mom being a different race, then maybe it's going to be more because the mom's the one that's caring the, the kid, the one that's going to be a lot closer. It's, you know, usually the mom's family who's in the the labor and delivery room, who's like helping out with like the newborn. And so maybe there is this fear of uh, more of a division if it's not the daughter. Yeah. 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 No, that's super interesting. I think, I mean, I guess kind of maybe shifting gears a little bit, I'm thinking about, you know, back to the people, I guess, who are, like, the least likely to Uh be partnered, and wondering, you know, if when, if when there's a really common partnership, there's kind of like a, like a general kind of, like, how-to you know, like, I mean, we don't, it's not something obviously that's like written down, but like, you know, we can think about how, for instance, if, if blacks and whites partner, like there isn't really very much like cultural difference. Like, mm. yeah, there is, but it's like, you know, yeah, there's this yeah. kind of general, like, all right, we probably eat very similar foods. We probably, yeah. you know, um, but when I wonder if like, when there's like a language yeah. difference, like how that plays into, I mean, just everyday life. It's like, okay, yeah, maybe if one person is bilingual or maybe if both people are bilingual, if they both speak other languages, um, they can speak English together. But then when the families come together, when, you know, so I don't want it to, I mean, it sucks because I didn't want it to fall all on you in terms of this conversation. But, like, like it was, like, a one-sided kind of, like, interview thing. But I'm wondering, too, like, when 
you know, if, if say like your family, you could even talk about like say at the wedding, like if one side of the family speaks only English and then one side of the family speaks only Spanish, like do, I mean, do they just not communicate? I mean, <laughs> and it's, I mean, it's really complicated and because like in my instance, and I think it really like partners should really learn the language really it's yes because for example like at a family dinner like my mom speaks english but she's not comfortable speaking english and the english that she knows is like elementary level english and so she prefers speaking in spanish because she's a you know 53 year old woman she wants to sound like a 53 year old woman not like a 12 year old Mm -hmm. and so or a seven year old and so she will try to have conversations, but there's she only can have so limited conversations. And so I find that I can't do anything but translate. So I have to be like, okay, so my mom said, you know, my mom will say something in Spanish and I'll be like, hey, my mom wants to know blah, blah, blah. He will respond and then I'll say, mom, he says blah. And I'm literally having like the mediator for this conversation yeah. with my partner and my mom. And so... From his perspective, he feels like maybe that's uncomfortable. Like, maybe it's really forced. For who? For, 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 for my mom and for me. He's kind of like, it just feels like I'm having a conversation with you and you're just talking to your mom. Mm-hmm. And, and so, I mean, a part of that would be fixed, you know, if he learned the language. But even doing that, Spanish, my mom's a 53-year-old woman and the Spanish she speaks is not going to be the Spanish that someone who just learned Spanish can right. speak. And so even, like, his mom is taking classes here at the school in Spanish. And she tells me when she texts my mom. And, like, even, like, when she texts my mom, I'm, like, it's, like, not correct. Like, and she's taking classes. But so how did your mom, did your mom care? My mom told me, how should I respond? Do I respond in English or do I respond in Spanish? And uh, because she didn't know if she was just trying to communicate with her or if she was trying to practice, if she was trying to learn. And so I told my mom, respond to her in Spanish. Mm -hmm. So my mom responds to her in Spanish. And then his mom is like, Zama, I don't understand what she's saying because it's still like. And so even when like people are trying to learn and, you know, everyone in this country has had to have a second language. And so these aren't people who just never took Spanish. Like my partner, we were actually in the same Spanish class. Like we took four years of Spanish and he took Spanish in college. So it's not like he doesn't know anything, but it's just, if you don't use it every day and then the type of vocabulary that my mom uses. And so in like family functions or like at my sister's engagement party, there's just so much effort that has to be put forward to just communicate with basic things that sometimes it is easier just to be like, you know what? Hi. Yeah. Nice to meet you. And then just kind of like you stick with, you know, taught on your side and you stick to, to your side. And so when there are like language differences and language barriers, it is a lot more difficult to try to be like a family. And so in a lot of our functions, the Spanish speakers sit on one end, the English speakers sit on another, the Spanish speakers speak to each other, the English people speak to each other. And to me, I'm just like, this is unity. Like just the fact that everyone is like sitting here saying hello to each other, they'll have, like, really, really small, short conversations, like, hola, como estas, muy bien, and then that's it, and it's just because, like, that's all they're, like, able to do, and so it's just, sometimes it's just, 
And then one of the things we want to talk about is like, is there anything lost or sacrificed in an interracial relationship? And when there's language differences, there's like this inability to really get to know someone at the level that you would if y'all spoke the same language at the same level. Because even if my partner were to speak Spanish right now, how could he catch up to someone who's been speaking it for 50 years? Like, how could he catch up to the slang, to the metaphors? I've been speaking English now like 20 something years. And I don't even, I like learn new things every day. I have to be taught like metaphors and references. And so it's just like, it's just, it's so difficult. And so I think that when there's cultural differences, in addition to these language barriers, there is a sense of like, you're just not going to be able to know them at the same level that two people who have families that speak the same language. And so that's just something that interracial couples who have to deal with language barriers have to deal with the fact that like, okay, like for us, we might not be able to communicate before our kids. It is very, very important that they're fluent in these different languages so that at least they can communicate with that side and they can communicate with that side. And so what I've kind of noticed is just kind of being like, scrap this generation, next generation of kids, they're going to be able to communicate way better, but this is like the best we can do for us. Yeah. Yeah. And I wonder too, if that, you know, if, those kinds of considerations influence who people date or don't date. You know, because I, I, for instance, I have a friend who is Indian and she talked to me about how, you know, like, so in India, like in India, you know, um, arranged marriage is still very prevalent. Yeah. And, and actually that's the primary way of like, you know, partnering. And the re and one of the reasons that it's still, um, that is still so prominent is because it's enforced by the grandparents. And so, like you said, like in India, there are a ton of different languages, right? Mm -hmm. So even, you know, even though it's like the same, like it's, um, even though it's the same country, there's so many different ethnic groups Mm -hmm. within the country. And so the grandparents are like, well, we need to be able to communicate with our in-laws. So we're going to choose the partner. Like, you know, there, I mean, there's a ton of other things that go into it, obviously, but that's one of the factors. Right. And so, for them, it's, like, imposed on them. And, I mean, it's not like the, the children are, like, oh, like not okay with it. You know, like, this is the custom and stuff like that, so they're okay with it. But it's essentially kind of imposed on them that, you know, we need to be able to communicate. Like, that's important to the family to be unified. And so where that is the – where that's, that's the norm there, and that isn't necessarily the norm here, but I wonder if that – if those types of considerations do influence who people choose on their own. It's like, well – our parents wouldn't be able to communicate, so it's not going to, you know, it's not going to work out. Or, like, even, let's say, in college, you know, like, some, um, like, there were a couple, like, African guys that I dated, and it was, you know, kind of the, they themselves didn't tell me this, but I had friends who, like, say were from the same country as them, or, like, from the same tribe, who were like, yeah, he, like, this isn't going to be able to be serious. Like, mm-hmm. he's never going to be able to introduce you to his mother, because, the knowledge that, like you're saying, like it's a gendered thing, right? So for his sisters, his sisters were, it was acceptable for them to partner with men that were, say, not Ethiopian or not Eritrean or not Nigerian. But it wasn't okay for the sons because then if the if the son marries someone who is black or who is, say, not from the same country, the kids wouldn't, you know, learn the language. This yeah. is the assumption. The yeah. kids wouldn't learn the language. The kids wouldn't be able to get the food made the proper way. Because, mm-hmm. you know, the woman is who cooks. Yeah. And they're, like, yeah. 
um, tradition. And so it was all of these things that like wouldn't, the idea that all these things wouldn't be passed on to the next yeah. generation. You know, so I know that for a lot of guys that, you know, if, if culture is very important to their family um, and it's very important that it be passed on to like their kids, the mom a lot of times has a lot of influence on who they bring home. Um, and I don't, I don't know that that's necessarily the case for women. For, for my friends, it's not like they're, they're kind of allowed to partner with whoever they want, yeah. you know? Um, and like you're saying, like with your mom, it's like, nah, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. But the, the language component is something that, you know, I'm just now thinking about and talking to you. It's yeah. like, I, I mean, I was trying to imagine and like, I, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, there's obviously certain things that don't translate. Like, you know, I'm thinking about one, um, like my family has a lot of, um, like we're, I mean, one, my family is really close and then we have like a lot of family nights, like game nights and stuff like that. What we did when I was there. And so one, one, um, Christmas I brought home like this white guy I was dating and you could tell that it was just so different for him because like our family like we like it was just I mean everybody was pretty loud and like we're really competitive and so it's like we're not angry at each other but we're like talking shit you know to the other team and stuff like that and I mean he's just like trying to like fit in but not overstep yeah you know so it was I mean some of that stuff was kind of interesting and how like my family didn't care one way or another that he was white but I'm wondering for him like if it was you know, like I, you know, I have my aunts there, like, you know, Mexican aunts and Filipino and a Filipino aunt. So for him, it was, you know, maybe he felt like, okay, it's okay for someone who is not black to be here, but he was the only white person. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I guess there's that, but like if he, I, I don't know if like maybe he brought his mom and his mom didn't speak English, that would probably have been like, Maybe kind of scary. Like, yeah. How do you talk to yeah. someone who can't talk to someone? Yeah, them? exactly. Exactly. And I mean, I mean, so is your is your mother-in-law taking Spanish classes just to be able to communicate with your mom? Or is um, she like just kind of... I think it was in like greatly inspired by the fact that for years she wanted to communicate with my family mm-hmm. and uh, then just being like, she's the type of person that always wants to learn and always wants to do something. So it was kind of like a pragmatic thing where she's like, this will be really useful. Yeah. It will be really useful for me to learn this. And so, but I, it, I think that, you know, the only people in her life that she can use this new language on is my family. Yeah. And so. Do you think that your mom like appreciates it? Yes, my or? mom does. My mom always appreciates it. And she does make these side comments about like, how my partner didn't learn Spanish and how, um, and then my partner saying like, if we have kids, um, that he would feel left out if, you know, the kid would speak Spanish because he's like, you guys are going to talk shit and I won't know like what you guys are talking about. And I was like, yeah, like, (laughs) yeah, I was like, if you don't learn it, then, and so I feel like, you know, kids in the picture is more motivation for, you know, interracial couples who, if one of them doesn't speak the language to feel more motivated because now like you, there's literally something you lose, which is an inability to like speak with your kid. Maybe he can learn it at the same time as, yeah, as your kid. Yeah. Cause that's then it true. would be kind of like at a similar at pace. Level. Yeah. 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 <laughs> because I'm just thinking like, you know, as someone who definitely like took Spanish classes as someone who is from, you know, a community that is predominantly Spanish speaking, um, 
And even as someone who, like I was telling you this, like the first language that I learned was Spanish. Mm -hmm. My parents didn't speak Spanish, so it just like completely got <laughs> lost, you know? But one thing that I, I was always very excited by is people always like along the way, like Spanish speakers complimenting me on like my pronunciation yeah, and stuff yeah, like yeah. that. So it's like, oh, well, it's there. Yeah, but yeah, the, yeah. But if, like you're saying, if you don't talk to somebody on you a regular basis, like you, I mean, not only do you lose it, but you don't advance. Because the yeah, language, yeah. like the Spanish that they're teaching you in school is like, Spanish that people don't even speak conversationally. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's this super, like, I mean, it's kind of trivial, like, words that you're never probably going to use. Like, where's the bathroom? Yeah, it's, like, <laughs> stuff that doesn't even matter. And so it's, like, how do you learn? How, I mean, I just, I don't know. It seems like it would be kind of scary to be, like, you know, have to be super conscientious of the words that you're using and am I pronouncing it right? Am I, yeah. you know, or, like, um... You know, like, even traveling, you know, knowing that, like, you know, it, traveling and being kind of forced to, to like, for instance, like, when I, like, we went to Spain, like, this, earlier this year, and so I, there were things that, like, I could understand, but when I'm trying to speak back, it's, I was so nervous and just, like, oh, I left that word out, and, you know, people were, like, really happy, they're like, oh, no, look at you, like, you know, trying yeah. to speak it or whatever, and I, and I was happy to have them correct me, and they did, um, but I was nervous. Like, I was like, oh, God, like, I understood, like, four words out of that sentence. Oh, what do yeah. I say? What do I say? You know? So I I don't know. Like, I, I don't know. I just couldn't imagine. Yeah, I it's, imagine. it's a whole different, like, way. It's a whole different obstacle, a whole different, like, that impacts almost every interaction that you have. Yeah. And so just, like, for people who don't experience that, like, just imagine – like, if your partner's parents didn't speak the language, like, how would they get to know the other side of your family? Yeah. How would they interact with your partner? And, like, even having to, to think about that, you're like, shit, I don't even know how that would happen. Like, what would a dinner look like? And yeah. so a lot of times there's just, I think it, it, it leads to not really being able to fully, like, I just don't think they'll ever really get to know who my mom is in the way that they could if they spoke Spanish. So they, they don't get to know her humor because you have to speak Spanish. Even if you know Spanish, you don't, it's different than, you know, it's different to know how to say the colors in the alphabet than it is to understand yeah, a joke. That's what they teach you. Yeah, <laughs> that's different than to say a joke that my mom is saying. And so you don't get to really hear, get to know my mom in the same way. So I feel like my partner knows my mom through me. So, yeah. like, I tell him about my mom, and I always have to give context, and I summarize what my mom says, or I summarize things, and that's yeah. how he knows my mom, but not in a, in a way that he would know my mom if she's if they were able to both fluently speak a language. But I think they're getting there, and, and I'm hoping that, you know, with the introduction of a family and forcing more of his family to be able to communicate because I think that once there's kids that speak another language, you want to be able to communicate with them and you'll feel left out if the kid is speaking the language and you have no idea what the kid is saying. Yeah. I mean, do you think that that works both ways? Like, do you think that your mom would like want to be able to communicate with your kid too? Like if you're, or understand what your kid was saying if they were speaking English? Yeah. Yeah. And my mom understands a lot of English. She's just, her accent is so thick. She's really embarrassed about, speaking English to people who are like adults so I think with with kids my, I hear my mom speaking with kids all the time and she mm -hmm. has like no problem speaking English with kids because she really they're not as critical mm -hmm. as I think an adult would be in like correcting her grammar and mm -hmm. saying like what do you mean it's like 
you know, kids and her at the same level of English. Yeah. So they both understand each other pretty well. But I think that as, the, you know, if I have a kid and like as they get older, high school and college, my mom will definitely want to be able to communicate. But knowing my mom, she'll probably, and what I want her to be is like the Spanish person. Mm-hmm. And so like to be able to, my kid converse with her because as much Spanish as I learned, like it's still not the same you know, I don't speak it every day in the same way. Yeah, that, that was one thing I was going to bring up, too, is, like, I, I've i seen, like, I have friends, right, whose grandmothers live here, but they are, like, their their grandmothers are immigrants, right? And so even if the my friend speaks the language, they don't speak it as well as their grandmother. Yeah, yeah. And so there are things that, like, even they don't understand yeah. as, like, you know, first-generation Americans. You know, and so, I, I mean, I think that that's, you know, there was this one meme that was kind of circulating where there was a um, a grandma who was, I want to say she spoke Hindi, mm-hmm. and she was like, she was old, like she was like seven, in her 70s, and she was learning, taking an English class and learning English so she could speak to her granddaughter, who mm-hmm. like spoke Hindi, but it was like broken, you know, like yeah, how yeah. If you would learn it in school, Yeah, you know, and so it. I mean, I, I mean, I thought it was, I was like, hmm, I wonder, you know, on the one hand, if the granddaughter thought about trying to improve her Hindi, but then I thought it was like, you know, interesting that the grandma was like, I'm even going to try to learn English. Like, where yeah, it's, you know, yeah. you're like old. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, so it's like, I mean, like you were saying, there's no way that she, even if her granddaughter is like in her 20s, like there's no way that you can catch up on 20 years of English. Yeah, yeah. But I thought it was interesting that she, you know, was trying to learn it. You yeah, know? Like yeah. That, I mean, and I could see my mom doing that, and, and it'll be interesting to see as, you know, relationships get more serious, and there's family now, and there's parenting, like, yeah. how that changes the dynamic. So maybe what was sustainable right now for just a relationship won't be as sustainable when there are kids involved. Yeah. And yeah. so I'll keep people posted as yeah. to like how, start a blog yeah now yeah, for real I'll, I'll like be able to share you know what that looks like as things change but definitely see why there's good conversations to have about this because there's just it just it's so complicated and it changes as families grow and it changes as relationships get serious being in an interracial relationship is different when you're dating than when you're married than when you have kids and yeah. so definitely you know was an episode that we wanted to talk about and um, share my experience because I've been in a six-year relationship with someone who's not of my ethnicity and so just how that has changed for me as I've gotten to the different stages of it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, we're going to wrap up there. Thanks so much for listening. Yes. And once again, if you have any comments, any questions, feel free to email us at woke dot ish podcast at gmail.com and you can also dm us at our instagram which is woke ish podcast yeah and you can tweet us at woke ish talk and we are super vigilant so we'll see all of that and we'll get right back to you thank you to everybody that's been pretty active on our instagram page that's super appreciated we love talking to y'all yes and Uh, we'll see you next week Bye. bye